You're listening to a talk which is part of our Restore series. We hope this series will help people understand what it means to be a restorer and how this impacts our actions and attitudes when dealing with both the church and secular culture. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Well, I feel so stirred up this morning, which you might think is good, but it makes me feel like I'm falling apart, and um, which is not unusual, is it, my love? No. Before I get to preaching, um, I want to take issue a little bit with a song that we sang. I did this yes, uh, last week, actually, with a different song, and I don't want to take issue with it all down the line. We were singing last week in Alfreton, and I, I said to my friend there, Joe, who, who leads worship, I said, uh, I want to take issue, I'm sorry to have to say it, but one of your choices. And she said, I didn't choose it, it was Martin. <laughs> so I didn't apologize at all then, because <laughs> we're pals. But it was saying, we were singing, Jesus, there's no one like you. And of course, that's true, isn't there? Isn't it? And we've sung a little bit like that. There's, there's, you are. All these things. And there's nobody like you. We know that. Nobody's death accomplished what the, uh, the death of Jesus Christ accomplished. Nobody could do that. He's unique. But essentially, our topic in respect of restoration... It's God's intention to fill the earth with the people who are just like Him. And so we were talking about, or we're singing about this city, weren't we? And I just scribbled some things down. And we were singing, You are. And I felt the Lord was just saying, You are. You are. And there's this thing about Christians, when we know Jesus can do it, we've no, we've no problem about that, have we? And yet, if I ever get to it, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that I really believe God's out for forming within the earth the corporate Christ. The Christ, He is the head, but we are His body. And, um, we're, we're alright putting this stuff on Jesus. And we ask Jesus to do various things, but I'm more convinced than ever before in these days, the response to that is just like hitting the ball back over the net and saying, I'm asking you to do it. Not putting it on me, I've equipped, called, anointed you corporately to get the job done. And so this is what I, I felt, because uh, we were singing, greater things are yet to come. Greater things are yet to be done in this city. And I felt that for city church leads, or if you're a visitor, because I'm putting myself in this, being down in Derbyshire, where a phone call to God is only a local charge. <laughs> no charge, eh? On handouts already, I see. Fair enough. <laughs> But I just felt that God wanted to say to you, I am granting to you such dignity and such 
honour. You're not just also rans. You might think you are in the flesh, but in the spirit I am equipping you with great dignity and with great honour because he's wanting us to partner with him so that you are the light in the darkness. It's gone very quiet. So that you are the hope to the hopeless. So that you are the very means of peace to the restless. So that you bring strength to the weak. Man, it has gone quiet. So that you will minister love to the broken. And you'll bring joy into sadness. How do I know that? Isaiah 60 has chased me down and hunted me out for four years. And I'm minding my own business at the back. And it comes again. Arise and shine for your light has come. Yeah, I asked him my Bible and all. <laughs> He's got it open there. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but my glory rises upon you. People shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Man, God has given us such dignity to the household of faith in Leeds. What dignity that he should entrust us with the restoration of all things. Now, I've got that off my chest now. Praise God. Right, let's read the Bible. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? And I'll use the texts I've been given to begin with. Do you know, when people ask me to preach, I always feel like I did when I did my exams. You remember CSEs? Mode 3. If you get a, a grade 5 CSE mode 3, it's a certificate of, of incompetence. <laughs> and if anybody's got one of those, I meant the higher national certificate. Because <laughs> I, I, I used to forget what the question was and I, I used to write what I know. Well, that's how I feel preaching sometimes. you just got to go with what's in your heart, don't you? But we'll stick with the text as far as we can. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let me read this definition from Bryn Jones. Biblical restoration is the action of God to accomplish his purpose of bringing all things back into total harmony with himself and his moving everything in heaven and earth forward to the fullness of his original intention. I was born again on the 14th of March, 1973. So... Next March, I'll have been a believer for 40 years. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. 
You only thought I was 35, didn't you? <laughs> but nevertheless, when I was born again, the only thing I knew was that Jesus Christ has saved me from my sin. And I was really chuffed about that, really glad about that. And I used to, even then, I think God had ordained right back then that I should be a preacher, because I'd tell everybody all I knew. You haven't time for all I know now. <laughs> but compared with what I've yet to learn, that's nothing. But all I knew was Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. He'd rescued me from my sin. And I knew this, that when I die physically, I wasn't going to go to hell. I wasn't going to turn back just to dust. I was going to be with him forever. And whatever heaven is, and it's not easy to itemize the things that heaven are like, it's going to be better than it is now. And in my heart, that's the only thing that I could say that the future is better than the past. I didn't realize that in a nutshell, that's restoration. The future has to be better than the past. And do you know, governments believe that. Local governments believe it. We're always trying to find a way, even if we're trying to prop up something that God has said is going to crumble, nevertheless, we're trying to find a better standard of living, a better education system, because we believe deep down in our hearts that progress has to happen. Don't we? Whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not, somewhere along the line, we're looking for better. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And if Adam had not had sinned, restoration would still be in progress. Because it's not just going back, it's looking for the future. So that's all I knew. I didn't realize that the day I got born again, I was actually enlisted into the group of people responsible for the best that's yet to come. I didn't realize, I've, by signing up to this, by giving my life to Jesus, it was purely selfish aims. I wanted forgiving for my sin. I wanted release from that bondage and burden that I was in. He released me and then I've been discovering ever since the positive side of salvation. What I've been saved for. Not just what I've been saved from. And I've been, I've been saved to cooperate with God, to bring in the restoration of all things and the fullness of this kingdom that's already alive in me and in you. Didn't realize. God's like that, isn't he? Didn't tell you everything. It's just, right, we'll have him. I remember when I was made an elder, we, we then had a, a course for, for a weekend to tell us the reason that we'd been set up, I mean set in, <laughs> set in as elders. And, and some of you know, if, if God had told you all this stuff to start with, you'd run a mile. But it lets you know a little bit piecemeal, doesn't he? But we've been called into a wonderful thing. Let me read a bit more of scripture. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he'd formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon, 
It is the one that flowed round the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed round the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Some of you will know of Roger Aubrey. He's in the church in Cardiff. And he's, I quote this, Whilst it is a a miracle to have one's sins forgiven and to have a guaranteed place in heaven, there's more to Christianity than that. God has a plan. He did not create us merely to save us from our sin. He created us and redeemed us to fill the earth with our people who were just like him, a people of his image. You know, the wonder of God is that when he created man out of the dust of the earth, he didn't put him in a desert. It already prepared a garden in a place called Eden. So now we call it the garden of Eden, the garden that was in Eden. And I looked up what Eden meant, and it's interesting. It means this, delight, pleasure. It comes from the root word meaning soft, pleasant, and to live voluptuously. Man, I like that. I have no idea what it means. but No, I have. I've looked it up. And it means to live full of pleasure. God is not some tyrant. It produces a man exactly like himself and puts him in Eden, a place full of pleasure and delight. This was a good place to be. A good place to be. And then he gets man and he blesses him. Anybody pleased that God is a God of blessing? Listen, when we speak blessing over one another, God goes to work. Um, we're in number six, we, it talks about the... Aaronic blessing. It says, by proclaiming it, it says, you put my name on the people and I will bless them. I'll tell you, we've been doing that in Clay Cross for, it seems, a long time now, probably two or three years. And we've seen folk get jobs. We've seen folk get well. We've seen people come into new revelation in the script. We've seen all sorts of things happen and nobody's prepared prayed a specific prayer for any of those things, but the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Proverbs 10.22. So the first thing God does with this man, we've just read it, he blesses them. And the blessing was interesting because he said this, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over it. These five things he gives to us as the people who are in his image. Now let's just read on it. Well, I've read it. It says, in Eden there was a river that watered the garden. And from there it divided. 
and went four ways. As I read that, these four rivers, it made me think that every point of the compass, God wanted to water the whole earth. But he'd already said to Adam, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill. He's his intent was the whole world should be filled with people just like him. Yeah? And what was he going to do? He was going to make the nature of the garden flow into all the world. So the whole world, the intent of God, should be like Eden. Full of voluptuous living, pleasure, delight, prosperity. The word for the river means to prosper. Isn't that amazing? God wanted the whole world to prosper just like it was in Eden. Wow. And there comes the devil in the guise of the serpent, tempts Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and says, you know, the reason is, God wants you, if you eat of this, you'll be like God. She ought to have said, we're already like God. There's even a scripture that says, we are God's. Am I taking this too far? I think the body of Christ have looked so meanly upon themselves, and what we've done, we've taken repentance and stayed in it, Instead of taking that forgiveness and running with it. Because we've been given the dignity and the honor of joining and partnering with God to be restorers of what he originally intended. And if you start looking at your newspaper or reading the television, or reading what's on the news, listening to that only, you'll get depressed. But if I'm, I'm saying again, if you'll begin to read the promises of God, if you'll begin to lay hold and rehearse of we've been exhorted today, the prophetic word that's come, what God said about a thing, all of a sudden he captures our minds and our hearts and, and puts us again into what can be. And we've got to be living out of the what's going to be. What's going to be? Yeah, but you don't know my circumstances. No, and you don't know mine. But God does, and he hasn't altered anything of that. He still say that's where we're heading, the restoration of all that Eden was, plus some. Because we've never yet seen on the face of the earth the fullness of that, but there's going to come a day when we will. Well, that's about four of us that's convinced of it. I'm telling you, if I'm only living for the forgiveness of my sin, I better go home now. You know, I'm one of these believe that when you're saved, you're eternally saved. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. Well, if you do, it's extremely difficult to do it. The most sensible and kindest thing to do with me, if you can lose your salvation, was for me to drop dead as soon as I uttered Jesus is Lord. Because it's the only safe way I'd have made it. I'm really good at mucking stuff up. Some brothers know what I mean. Well, we've got a job to do. Praise God. 
We start reading about rivers, don't we? You give me drink from your river of delight. Your river of delight. This is what God wants in the whole world. Delight, pleasure, enjoyment. 1 Timothy 6 says, He has given us graciously all things to enjoy. This is not some killjoy God. He's a loving heavenly Father who wants the whole world to live in this divine pleasure, this wondrous delight of living where nothing's too much trouble and there's no shortage of anything. That's what he wants for us all. But the fall came. Adam did eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and a whole mess, the whole lot entered under the curse. But praise God for Jesus who came, who the Bible calls the last Adam. And what, what Adam, the first one lost, the second Adam has regained. And he redeemed a people. Why did he redeem us? So that we could fulfill what the first Adam failed. Man, I feel strong today. God's called me to a purpose bigger than me, bigger than us. But we can partner together, hold hands together for the sake of this that's going to come. Can you imagine Leeds where there's nobody sick? <laughs> Start to let your, let, take the reins off that mind of yours. It was created by God to be in tune with God. And the new covenant says, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16, we have, not going to get, we have the mind of Christ. All you prophetic people, have you ever had a thought? You think, oh no, that can't be me. That must be me, not God. Well, it wasn't, it was God. Mostly it's God. But we switch off to it, you see. Derek Brown calls living in the blink. You know, that thought that comes across your mind and immediately you've dismissed it. Well, stop dismissing them. Because often it's the word of knowledge for somebody. Often it's a prophetic word. It's God speaking. We need to tap into that because his spirit is alive within us. He's closer than a breath. He's actually residing in us. Hallelujah. Why is that? Because he's got a huge purpose for us. Man alive. This river... This river of delight, this river of voluptuousness, this river of pleasure. It comes again in Ezekiel 47, doesn't it? And it flowed where from? The temple. Right from the presence of the Lord. And where did it go? It went eastward. And you know, biblically, when folk were going eastward, it meant they were going away from God. And so God, in his mercy and grace, sends his river after them. And what happened where that river went, everything lived. It produced life, life. You couldn't move on the banks for fruit trees and everything. What's this? It's the garden being reproduced because the river was going there and what it needed was someone to go and tend it. That's why God wanted the earth to be filled with people just like him because he's going to produce a garden just like his garden everywhere in the earth. Oh, hallelujah. Does anybody here feel ordinary? It's all right, I do, you can admit it. Man, you're all superhuman in here. There's only about three of us. There's only you and me, there's ordinary. <laughs> oh, three of us, that's ordinary. Come on, we all feel a bit that way, don't we? 
particularly tomorrow morning, you wait while, remember my question, then you'll be all at home doing this, it's me, it's me. But you know, in Christ Jesus, Stuart, he takes somebody that's ordinary and makes us an ambassador. Whew. You go into these countries and the ambassador of different nations, man, they're, they're given high honor. And that's what he's called us to be, ambassadors. An ambassador doesn't live for themselves. Time to grow up. We don't live for ourselves. We live for the purpose of the one that sent us. And what's his purpose? To fill the earth with the garden and people to tend it. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. So Ezekiel, everything this, this, where this river went, what was happening? Restoration was taking place. Things were starting to happen. Good things were developing. Jesus said that we're going to be salt. He said if salt loses its saltiness, it's fit neither for the dung heap nor for the soil. What's that about then? Well, it, there's more than one salt, isn't there? We usually think of table salt, but there's more. There's more. You scientists here will know more about this. I think that's sodium chloride in table salt. But there's loads of different salts, and some of them are disinfectants, and some of them are fertilizers. And so, what's he saying? Your job is to stop bad things spreading and to help good things to grow, because you're going to be salt. And you've got to make contact to work. Haven't you? Praise God. <clears throat> Are you with me so far? It's, I'm struggling to stick to these notes. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's interesting that the tenth generation from Noah was a bloke called Abraham. He was his... Great, 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 great. One too many. Grandson. And interestingly, Noah had a blessing pronounced over him when he came out of the ark on Ararat. Oh, and didn't it sound familiar? Be fruitful. <laughs> Was that? No. Be, multi, be fruitful. Multiply. And fill the earth. Oh, two missing. What was missing? There was no pronouncing of subdue and no pronouncement of having dominion. Interesting. But when Adam was called to tend the garden, the reason that the rain hadn't come and things like that was because rain had not come upon the earth and there was no man to till the ground. God works in glorious partnership with his people. But his job was to tend the garden and to work it. And you could, although they're not the same words, you can see that subduing and having dominion was the godly element that he'd given to Adam and that's what God wants to restore to his church in these days so that we have dominion that we can subdue. It means to guard and protect as well as to rule. Praise God. But the exciting thing for me, me that the river now, according to Jesus, it's from us. 
It's out of us, this New Testament, this river of living water. What's that? That's to help this garden condition, this restoration of all things to happen wherever we go. And sometimes you don't even have to say a word. You just have to be there. Sometimes you just have to put a hand out and help a brother that's in need. What's that? That's part of the condition of the garden coming. It's part of the restoration of all things. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so Abraham, bless him. He had an encounter. Genesis 14. He met a bloke, a man. This king priest called Melchizedek. Many believe it was an appearance of the Christ in the Old Testament. Because in John 8, right towards the end of the chapter, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Before Abraham was, I am. About stoned him to death, nearly stoned him to death for that. But what was this thing about Abraham? He had had an encounter with the pre-incarnate Christ and it changed him forever because now he was looking for something. Hebrews tells us about it. He, he lived in tents all his life. Why? Because he was living in the immediate, in the light of the ultimate. He'd seen something. I'm going to give you this city, one interested. I've seen a city whose architect and builder is God. It's got foundations. I can see it in the distance. And he died not yet having received it. And Hebrews 11 says, we're going to get it together. You've heard the phrase, oh, that bloke, that fella, is so heavenly minded, is no earthly use. Part of our problem is we're not heavenly minded enough. We've got to get a vision of heaven on earth. We've got to know what it looks like. You see, we're believing in our prayer group on a Monday night, we're believing in an illness-free zone around Clay Cross. Got to start somewhere. And I started reading Isaiah 33. And right towards the end of that chapter, it says, no it's talking about the restored Jerusalem. It says, no inhabitant will say, I am sick. I thought, man, we've got biblical precedent for this. It's in the scriptures. It's not just in our hearts. It's not some delusion. It's actually what's going to take place. Do you know that when they crossed the Red Sea, this is old covenant, Red Sea, they crossed it, it says there were no sick among them. Wow! Chesterfield is a, a town with a hundred thousand people. That's about the size of it. And we have the North East Derbyshire Royal Hospital there, and it's absolutely overrun with people. It can't cope. While that, at the least estimate, is a tenth, the population's a tenth of those that cross the Red Sea coming out of Egypt. Between one and three million people, they reckon. And they want to see any sick among them. This is God's heart for Leeds. It's God's heart for your family. It's, it's his heart for the whole of the UK and the whole world. That there'll be no sick. That there'll be no poverty. Oh, man, can we grasp that? 
There'll be no poverty. The early church, it was a testimony of the early church. There were no needy persons amongst them. Mm. What's this about? These are snapshot, little glimpses that what God's after is still on track. He's still trying to captivate the heart of a people so that we can bring it about. The restored community. Praise God. <clears throat> on the 2nd of September, we should have had Party in the Park. Now, Jess knows all about Party in the Park. We've done it a few years, haven't we? And it's something that the local council puts on. Amber Valley District Council put the Party in the Park on. And it's a commercial venture to which we as a church make use of it, you see. Well, our Andrew down in Leicester... You've forgiven him for going down there, haven't you? Or, or praise God that he's gone, one or the other. But anyway, <laughs> he, he rang me and said, look, Randy Clark from the USA is coming to uh, All Nations Church in Leicester. Would you like to come down? We can have the day together and you can hear him. And I thought, well, I've read one of his books. I'd like to go. So... I suddenly realise I'm committed to party in the park. It was the same day. So I, I, I said, no, I'm sorry, love, we can't come. Anyway, on the Wednesday, we got this wonderful message saying, due to a waterlogged ground, party in the park's cancelled. <laughs> so we went down to Leicester. And while we were there, during the praise and worship, as an expression of this praise and worship, there was an artist painting some, something on an easel. And as I saw this thing, whew, God spoke to me. Because what it, it drawn was like a vortex. And I'm going to share it with you. I feel it's pertinent today. Because as I looked at this thing, God says, I'm wanting to draw my people which don't mean draw them on a piece of paper. Draw them. He said, but it's not a strong pull because I don't, or I'm not overbearing. It's more like teasing people. Just come on. Will you come? It's like a tractor beam that they have in these sci-fi programs, but ever so, ever so gentle. And he's wanting to draw us. I'm saying, why? Why, why are we being drawn into this? He said, because I'm wanting to reconstitute you. That was the word again. I want to reconstitute you. I want to reconstitute you in my love and grace. And he said, as you're drawn in, you'll be catapulted out the other side, having been changed, and you will bring this message to the world, but from an experiential point of view, rather than just chapter and verse. It will be in my word, but it will be something that you have living experience with. And he said, the more that you're reconstituted, the more this process takes place, the more you'll be able to relate to people with my love and grace and cause the conditions of my kingdom to be established where you are. Wow. So I believe God wants to do some reconstituting, even this morning, to draw him, draw you into that, to be more like him, to do a work of regeneration, a restoration work in you, so you can be a restorer. 
You'll have had experience of it. <clears throat> now John was with me, and I was with John in Zimbabwe last summer, was it? Yeah, last summer. And he knows that I'd been captivated by this topic, which I'm still preaching, called the third Elijah. And uh, <clears throat> which was all right. I've done about 12 different messages on this, so don't look pale. Don't, no, I'm not going to preach them all. I'm just going to give it an outline. But, uh, <laughs> and then I found out that dear Dr. Roger Aubrey's written a book about it. It's not bad. <laughs> He's called his the Elijah people. But basically, it's the same stuff. I was really encouraged when I, when I read this book. But anyway, my premise is that we are to be, as this corporate man of the church, the third Elijah. That's the title of my notes, the third Elijah. Matthew 17. Because we know there was a bloke that came onto the scene in the days of Ahab the king called Elijah. What a wonderful man this Elijah was. His very name was an affront to Ahab and Jezebel. Right, he got in their faces and says, Je Jehovah is my God. Yahweh is my God. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. I love it. I love that confrontational thing. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. And what is his first thing he says? There's going to be no rain on the land except at my word. <laughs> and Baal was in charge of all the elements. Talk about getting folks in space. Oh, you think he's God, do you? I'm saying, listen at this partnership. Not at God's word. There'll be no rain on the land except at my word. God's looking for a people that are so entwined with him that what he says you do and what you say he does. That's prophetic. Our Rachel's wedding. Where was it? Hepton's stall. On the hill just above Hebden Bridge. Ebden Bridge had been washed out twice this summer and she has to pick that for a wedding venue. So we're there and the night before Jonathan and I were in a hotel and I was watching a little bit of the Olympics and then there was a break in transmission for the news and the weather forecast. And I went, oh no, oh no, it can't be, not for tomorrow. And with very great clarity, God said to me, what are you going to do about it? And I was just about to say to him, what are you going to do about this, Lord? And he said, what are you going to do? You keep telling your people, oh, don't it come back on you. You keep telling your people, speak to the problem. So why don't you do it? Have you noticed how God talks to you like you talk? Yeah, it doesn't he? And just imagine me saying to kids, well, you do it. That's exactly what he said. So I said, right, okay then. Weather, you're not going to rain and spoil our Rachel and Steve's day. You're not. I forbid it in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you're arguing with me, my father told me to do it. 
We're still like kids, aren't we? If it gets tough, you get your dad involved. <laughs> in fact, when the devil has a go at you, and he does sometimes, don't you? Why don't you say, don't you make me get my daddy? We had a great day. And we've got the pictures to prove it. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? I liked Elijah. But then there was another Elijah that came on the scene. One you even dressed the same. Camel's hair and a leather belt. John the Baptist. Just like Elijah. And the scripture said he came in the power and spirit of Elijah. So he did. Let me just read this for a bit. It was the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, I said, didn't I? Yep. And it said this. As they were coming, verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. In other words, there's a time and place for everything. And the disciples asked him, why then do the, the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he answered, Elijah does come and and listen to this, and he will restore all things. Who will? The Elijah that's to come will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. By this time... John had already been beheaded. And Jesus was saying, there's an Elijah that's going to come. We're not looking for one man. We're looking for a corporate man. And he's already in the earth. And we're starting to wake up to this wonderful ministry that we have. And I suggest you do a bit of study on Elijah and all those characteristics of Elijah. Take the first one. Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. What does it mean? A resident alien. In other words, he's not from here. And do you know anybody born again today? Yes. We're born from above, literally. We're not from here. We're only passing through to make it a better place as we pass through, but we're not from here. We're from there. You know, Dr. John, he's been, has he been with his pointer? Where's the, where's the light? And everybody's going, no, it's there. No, he says, it's here. It's only manifesting there. We're already in heavenly places, seated with heavenly places in Christ, aren't we? Or are we? That's what the Bible says, or otherwise throw Ephesians away. But we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, and we're manifesting here. How do you know, how do you know you're going to heaven, Pete? I'm already there. I'm only manifesting here. But it's the truth. We're heavenly people. It's not just Brother Yun that's the heavenly man. So are you, Mike. Heavenly man. You've wondered for a long time, haven't you? <laughs> I do hope I'm making sense today. We have a great thing going on. We've been born to something a lot greater than getting your PhD. You know, I've got PhD. Did you know? I've got three degrees. I have. I don't get to boast about a deal these days. I may as well boast about that. I've got BA, MA, and PhD. You didn't know that, did you? No. Born again, made anew, past having doubts. <laughs> it's the three degrees all Christians need. 
<laughs> in the mornings after my first session in Zimbabwe, I used to ask him, didn't I, how's Elijah this morning? And it took him a, for a, took him a day or two to catch on. Then they'd say, oh, we're fine. But we are the ones who are involved in this great enterprise of the restoration, not of a bit, not just of the church. No, forget churches being the focus. See the church as the means that God is using to reach the whole world. It's the restoration of all things. What's that? That's the garden, God's original intent to fill the whole earth. And when it's restored, the king will come. We broke bread today, didn't we? What a lovely thing. And we received the cup of blessing. But I've got a friend, Peter Crabtree, and often he'd pass the cup to me and hold it up like that. And he'd say, to the coming king. And make it a toast. And I like that. But he's not coming to have to roll his sleeves up and do it. His sleeves are already rolled up in combination and partnership with all of us, and he's already doing it. Leeds is a better place because of the ambassadors of Christ that are already here. Restoration is already underway. And we're not to despise the day of small things because it's only a beginning. We've got to look again into the Scriptures. Oh, I tell you, you know, we, we think, well, there's not many restorers here, are there? They're out there as well, but they don't know it yet. Let me read you this. This is in the Bible. Amazing what's in here. It's like God wrote it. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the open of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's not a bad ministry right there, is it? They, listen to this, they shall build up the ancient ruins. Who? The ones that have had this instead of ministry. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. Praise instead of a faint spirit. They're the oaks of righteousness. Why do we proclaim the gospel? Because it produces oaks of righteousness. There might only be acorns yet. But I'll tell you what, it says that those oaks of righteousness, no wonder the Lord's glorified through them, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They'll repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. They're already out there. And the reason we proclaim the gospel is not just to get them saved, but so that they can enter into what's already taking place. There's many restorers better than me out there, but don't know Jesus yet. And they're in, they're in stratas of society that I could never reach. But if I can reach them, they'll reach that. And it's like a, a domino effect. 
You know, years ago, the only opening we had for anybody with spiritual promise, you become a pastor. Thank God we're wising up. If folk are creative in business, why don't you use that anointing and be creative in business for the kingdom's sake? Let the garden grow where you are. Be a restorer where you are. Because I'll tell you what, business needs restoration, doesn't it? <laughs> and we're wising up. I think I've blathered on enough, really. Let me come back to that vision of the vortex. Today, I mean, there's so much we could say about restoration. It's the thing that keeps me alive. Because it's bound to get better. When I became 50, my children bought me a Bible. They thought it was about time I'd had one. So they bought me a Bible, my first English standard version. And I could have wept. Well, spellings were wrong. They were from America. And, and you know, things that annoy you, it's interesting, isn't it? Annoy you. Anglicized version. Whose language is it anyway? Why can't it be Americanized version? Anyway, they'd written. To our dad, on the occasion of his half century or whatever it was, I'm not out. The best is yet to come. That's a word over my life. And you know it's over our lives as restorers. The best is yet to come. But I wondered this morning, I just want to give opportunity. If you feel you need a bit of reconstitution reconstituting. You need God to do something in you. I wonder if you'd let me pray with you. He's always wanting to do something fresh. It might be to regather what you feel you've lost. It happened to me recently in the confines of my bedroom. God, I felt God was saying to me, I've called you, you know, to this ministry. And I felt that I'd not treated it as the high calling that it is. I really felt in my own heart that I got a bit slipshod with it. Come day, go day. And you probably think I'm always like that. But I felt in my own heart I'd got slipshod with it. So I said, Father, would you do something in me to make me take it seriously again? I know I laugh and joke because I like to laugh and joke. Because my Heavenly Father... He's full of joy. <laughs> and he likes to laugh and joke with me. I make him laugh ever such a lot. <laughs> but I felt I needed him to do something in me to get me serious about what he's called me to. It's life and death stuff. It's, it's, not, it's not a small thing. Yeah, well, you've been a Christian almost 40 years. Yeah, but I've ebbed and flowed during that time. I've not always been on fire. But I can be. Because I'm not given to myself or just to my family. I'm given to the kingdom. I'm given to see the restoration of all things. So today, how about letting that vortex draw you in? So God can do a reconstituting in you. And you can come out the other side to be a restorer. More so than you are now.
is a wonderful saviour is Jesus and he so loves us and he's so patient with us he's determined to make all of us just like him so that when you touch people it's just as though Jesus touched them when you speak a word to them it's just like Jesus spoke to them when you show a kindness they experience the kindness of God why? so they can be restored they, you know, the next person you meet in the coffee shop might be one of those oaks of righteousness, potentially, who will go on to be a restorer of cities. Oh, I love that in Zechariah 8, where it says, the restored Jerusalem. What is it like? Oh, there are old men and old women sitting in the street with staff in hand because of great age. And there's boys and girls playing in the street. When I see these little ones running around, I think, don't ever stop them running around. It's a picture of the restored community, isn't it? They're safe. So you might go home and do as I did, get by your bed. But let God do a work of re reconstitution in you. But if you want me to pray with you, I'd be honored to pray with you that God would do a work of restoration in you. So you can be a restorer. Can we just stand together please? And we'll pray. <clears throat> Father we thank you. That your plan. Even by the great fall of man. Was uninterrupted. It was still on track. Because you'd already had in mind this great work of redemption. Hallelujah. We want to thank you. You're still on course for filling this world with the garden to make it exactly what you intended. We want to thank you for this wonderful way you partner with people, causing us to become more than we can be in natural terms. We're ambassadors, sons of the living God. We thank you, Lord, that we're your very answer to the Earth's groaning, creation's groaning for the revelation of the sons of God. Hallelujah. And so, Father, we just say, here we are. Use us. Take us beyond where we've been so far in our experience of you, in our ministry for you. And, Father, we believe the prophetic word that's been spoken over us and say we're going to see this city restored. We're going to see its people absolutely set free. We're going to see poverty pushed back till it exists no longer. Sickness gone altogether. Father, we're choosing to believe the heavenly report rather than what we see with our natural eyes. And Father, we pray that you'll do a, put a transparency of the fullness of your kingdom over our vision so that we see it through restored eyes, restoration eyes. And may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit reside, remain, and flow through every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've been very patient. Thank you. And if there's anybody who would like me to pray for this reconstitution, I'll be pleased to do it. I'll just hang on a bit and like that. Thanks, John.